Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is a Daily Spawn episode. Once again, I'm joined by my pal, Blake Whitlow, who is the author of The Reading Order We're Using to Celebrate the 30th Anniversary of Spawn by reading tons of Spawn content, getting all caught up to modern day and the Spawn universe that Todd McFarlane is uh, creating. So, Blake, thanks for joining me. Man, it's good to be here. Yeah, so uh, last couple of issues were really fantastic, all leading out of Spawn's journey through hell, where he confronted Malbolgia. He's back in the real world. Not only is he back on Earth, he now has an ally, as Blake mentioned last issue. It's kind of cool. It's uh, Al Simmons is not on his own. He's teamed up with his old buddy, Terry Fitzgerald. They're looking for evidence to take down Jason Wynn. They find the evidence, but Spawn, perhaps in a fit of impulsiveness, or perhaps something Al Simmons would have done anyway, uh, even without the powers of hell. He blows up the, uh, the stash of weapons they find, and it, it does have the desired effect. It does bring some fallout to Jason Wynn and his, his people that, he's, uh, that are his customers that are buying weapons now seem a little less inclined to trust him. So in that way, it has um, impacted and, and had the desired effect. But to Blake's point last episode, yeah, now they got to go searching for concrete evidence <laughs> all over again. So was it worth it? I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. So uh, we're going to dive into issue number 56. And I will say it has, for a great majority of the issue, a limited color palette, which in my mind really allows Greg Capullo's line work to shine. And this might be, you know, it doesn't necessarily... Uh, have, you know, my single favorite image. I think that's still going to be 54, the final page with Al and uh, Terry Fitzgerald embracing. But I think if, if we're talking about an overall issue, 
up to this point, this is my favorite issue. And I, I think it has a lot to do with that uh, limited color palette because it really impacts um, the visual storytelling and the narrative that, uh, that McFarland gives us. So uh, I'll go ahead and start sharing my screen. Right away, we have a very impactful cover. We see Spawn peering through the doors of you know almost a dungeon-like cell. We see a, a nude guy there ch with shackles on his wrists and his ankles. His eyes are taped shut. Really powerful image uh, and also a limited uh, color palette in a lot of ways. So uh, any thoughts about the cover before we dive into the issue there, Blake? It, uh, it's interesting. I love how the covers always give you kind of a clue as to what the story is going to uh to feature, but not always in the most obvious or, or literal way. It's always uh, metaphorical. Well, not always, but a lot of the time it can be metaphorical. And in this sense, you can absolutely see, it's very clearly communicated that whoever is in this dungeon uh, is there possibly for a reason. Maybe he knows something and that's why he's being kept there because his mouth is being taped shut. So he doesn't speak. What has yeah. he got? What does he know? What has he seen as his eyes are taped closed? And Al's peeking in on him like, hmm, maybe this guy could be useful. And like you said before, the color palette, the, this issue is very creative in how it executes its story. It's, uh, for for the most part, a very self-isolated story. It, it's It's about a character, a new character that we haven't met before. And... He, he he just shares his story, like what he's gone through in the events sort of tangentially connected to Spawn and Terry and, and Jason and all that. And uh, it's very compelling. And the way that the story is told through the art, having that limited color palette, it just brings it all forward in a very emotional way. Yeah, it's a fantastic issue. So let's go ahead and dive into it. You'll notice right away the title is Con, uh, and we'll get into that. It'll be pretty obvious why it's called that uh, in a very short order. Todd McFarlane's story, Greg Capullo pencils, McFarlane and Danny Mickey on inks, Tom Orzakowski, copy editor and letters, colors, Brian Haverlin and Dan Kemp, as we're used to, but also a special thanks to Jason Gorder. Very short summer, summary for 55, um, which is so interesting because some of the other issues were not a lot has happened in terms of action. Have a giant summary. Last issue had tons of action. Um, and it's a shorter summary. Uh, mentions that Al was hanging out in Spawn's hideout as Spawn was researching uh, the mission he was about to undertake. Al stumbles across the worms. Spawn's reaction to that, we talked about it, how much shame might have played a, a role in that and whatnot. So they do carry out the mission. They find the evidence they want, but Al can't resist sending an explosive message to implicate and endanger Jason Wynn's international networking infrastructure. But yeah, like two sentences sums up the whole of last issue, but uh, yeah, it felt like it was so much more than that. Uh, so as we turn to the first page, we see, you know, right from the start, that limited color palette we're talking about, everything is gray or black or red, and it's being narrated by somebody, and he's talking about how... All he wanted was to, to see his family, to see his son, Brian, and his son had a favorite toy, Luke, clearly it's Star Wars, uh, his wife, Lori, she's wearing a, a dress, and all she wanted to be was a mom. So 
again, we're not sure who this is narrating, but um, with this limited color palette, the images are very impactful. And we see Jason Wynn there step through the door and attack this family. But you'll notice kind of in the middle of the page there, Jason Wynn, as he is attacking his family right before he kills him, he sort of morphs into Genghis Khan, or at least is wearing a, a Genghis Khan type um, hat. You know, and it, it, the narration's talking about how this guy who was hurting the people that meant something to him had uh, become the greatest conqueror of all. And he ignored all the, all the pleas for mercy. And uh, he, he was just left at, after killing these people, these innocent people, with this look in his eyes of emptiness. There's nothing there, a soulless gaze devoid of, of everything. So, yeah, super interesting art. I talked a couple of episodes ago about if I if I could have one page of Capullo art, what it would be. And I used to think it probably be would be a DC page. Not that I've ever I haven't been the you know biggest, I'm not the biggest Capullo guy in terms. Of, I have a lot of original art. I don't actually have a page from Greg, uh, and I've never thought about seeking one out before. But I I would seek out a page from this uh, from this issue um, because I think this is just fantastic. It's so so impactful. So uh, we do leave kind of that, uh, those memories or that flashback behind and we, the narration continues and it becomes clear that this narration is coming from this prisoner who is, uh, appears to be nude in this dark cell. He's being fed you know, maggot infested food. It's clear that he's not exactly in a uh, a good place, you know, in terms of, hey, it, yeah, he's in prison and maybe he deserves to be there, but uh, at least the, he's, his uh, human rights are being observed. Now, this guy is has been thrown away in some deep, dark hole where, you know, the people that care about him don't know that he's there. Uh, and it, it mentions, the narration mentions that he's tortured Um and he's beaten on and he's sometimes starved. And so, yeah, he's he's not in a good place and we're just not sure who he is. Um, but even he knows that he has information that these people need and he's managed to keep it to himself. But the isolation and the torture and the imprisonment, he's unstable. <laughs> I'll say that like it's it's clear that. Yeah, all the uh, all the cards are not in the deck anymore, um, and that's implicated or, or implied right from the start when he sees Jason win as Genghis Khan, um, because he's he's thinking to himself, "Yeah, I can, I I hold on to as much of myself as I can, and I do that by not letting them know any of my secrets." Because one of my secrets is I know how to make leaders. I know how to create conquerors. I know how to create murderers. I learned it all from him, he says. Him, it's emphasized. The great beast, Genghis Khan, the greatest warrior of, of this existence. Um, but in, don't forget, in his mind, whoever this guy is, in his mind, Genghis Khan and, and Jason Wynn are one and the same. So, again, not all there. Uh, so, we have another bit of a flashback. and We see who we assume is this guy. And you'll notice that Jason Wynn has the evil shit-eating grin on his face uh, and the glowing red eyes. And we assume that this prisoner is the, the blonde guy next to him. Um, and again, he's talking about how 
because of what information he supplied to Jason Wynn that he in some way created him by offering him strategic military information and by giving him the information that he needed and by using certain philosophies, the man who created the Mongolian Empire through brutality and terror, drowning entire nations in blood, that's what Jason Wynn has become. And this prisoner, he's taking responsibility for that. He carries that guilt. And I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact, whether it's metaphorical or not, that Wynn killed this guy's family. And he's carrying that guilt around saying, you know, if I hadn't given Wynn the information I gave him, whether it was, you know, military intelligence or, you know, advice on how to, you know, take out certain targets or deal with certain people, uh, that he wouldn't have become valuable, Wynn wouldn't have become so powerful, and his family wouldn't have been threatened. Because you got to think that this guy's family was taken out because Wynn saw this guy as a threat and was worried that this guy knew too much. And so maybe as a warning, and I'm, yeah, I'm speculating here, maybe as a warning, he's like, hey, whoever you are, I'm going to take out your family as a warning to say, hey, you better not ever tell people what you know about me and how I came up or, or any of any of my back dealings or whatever it is, because, you know, you'll, you're next is the implication. So, uh, so two days later, this, uh, this prisoner, and, and we, we do get a closer look at his face and it's clear that he is the blonde guy in the picture, though he looks worse for wear. Uh, they hear a bunch of commotion and it seems the war is broken out. There's gunfire in the corridors and he's wondering you know, is somebody coming to break him out or his fear is that it's Genghis Khan that's come to get him. It's Jason Wynn come to uh, to hunt him down. And so uh, we're told that the, the soldiers in the cells are looking for somebody in particular uh, and they don't seem to, to find him, but he kind of hides out so they don't see him. And he's thinking, is this a rebel militia attacking, looking for, you know, our supplies or, or is it him, uh, the, you know, the guy that hurt my little boy and, you know, he's, he's out for, uh, for revenge, basically. So once this guy peers out of the cell and he sees, you know, explosions, whatever, it's, it sort of becomes clear that this prison, wherever it is uh, that he's being imprisoned, all that commotion he heard was Al Simmons blowing up the warehouse was Al Simmons attacking the warehouse. So this guy is, you know, it's, it's that tie in to Jason Wynn. Jason Wynn had the weapons there. He was supplying this rebel camp. So if Wynn decided, Hey, this guy needs to disappear, but I don't want to kill him because he's an asset that I might lead later on as part of payment for weapons. And again, I'm speculating as part of payment for weapons, I'm going to turn this guy over to this, uh, you know, foreign power, foreign rebel encampment or whatever and say, hey, as a favor to me, keep this guy stashed away and, you know, I'll, I'll let you know if I ever if I ever need him. But uh, when when he looks out to see the explosion again, showing he's not all there, he sees Jason Wynn in the guise of Genghis Khan come riding out of the, the dust. So we know that's not accurate. Jason Wynn was was not on the ground there, but it's hard to argue with the uh, the beautiful artwork and the limited color palette. So again, it's, uh, it's pretty powerful, emotional stuff. Doesn't necessarily move the momentum of the story forward in a lot of ways, but it, it definitely sells the idea that this guy's 
feels guilt that he created this, you know, brutal terroristic conqueror like Genghis Khan in the form of, of Jason Wynn. So uh, on the next page, we get the three talking heads again. They're talking uh, again about some of the fallout for what happened with the explosion and how it seems like the State Department is trying to spin things and how it's affecting the president. The president's not looking good in terms of his foreign policy. And it's not any one big disaster, but the accumulation of like a thousand cuts, all these little parts of foreign policy that aren't going his way and add it all together, it makes him look weak uh, in, in the eyes of the world. So when we check in on Jason Wynn, he's given a briefing to his, uh, his underlings and his phone rings. He yells at his secretary, hey, I told you, you know, I wasn't taking any calls, but it turns out it's the president. So when the president comes on, it's not news that Wynn wants to hear. He's he's telling the president uh, or the president tells him Wynn that, hey, I've uh, been on some overseas calls lately and a lot of the local representatives haven't been very receptive to our point of view. And it all seems to be fallout from dealings with your department. And Wynn's like, wait, what, what are you talking about? Like, who's raising objections? And the president's like, I'm not going to go into details, but whatever connections you have with all these countries, whatever deals you've made that you're not living up to, you need to fix them. You need to resolve these situations. That's it. And he hangs up on Wynn. So then Wynn, of course, you know, shit rolls downhill. So he yells at his underlings. He just got chewed out by his boss in an interesting way. Um, And so now he's screaming at his underlings. So yeah, it's clear that word has gotten around just like Al Simmons hoped by blowing up that warehouse that it's affected uh, the infrastructure of Wynn's network. He's not able to get weapons to the people that he's promised to. And all of a sudden it's looking bad on the president because it's, you know, it's rippling out. Uh, Oh, uh, I actually think before you said that this might be in the immediate aftermath of uh, the previous issue, the way I kind of read this in this discussion between uh, the president and Wynn, uh, I think there's a silent time skip in here that there might be like, you know, some time between these two issues of maybe like a month or two, because that one event, I don't think anyway, would have been enough to make every single associative wins to to be like, oh, we don't want to do business with you now. I think some time has passed and that Terry and Al have been going on multiple missions and sowing that seed of distrust. And now it's like coming down on when just it's not like strictly imply that's just kind of how I might be projecting or reading into the, the conversation. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, I would think that even more if it wasn't for the fact that it seemed like the prisoner saw the explosion, yeah. but the time, the time jump could literally happen between, you know, this page when kind of the fallout of the, uh, explosion is impacting this prisoner, mm-hmm. you know, and then the the talking head, like it could happen between these two pages. Yeah. You know, time goes on. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a valid point. Um, but after, after Wynn gets off the phone, he sees the the person, I don't know, is he even a person? He sees the, the being he probably <laughs> least wants to see out of anybody. Here comes a violator to poke the bear going, Oh, quite a temper you got there, boy. Like, yeah, things, Things seem to be spiraling out of your your control. Nice to see you squirm. And Wynn's like, I thought you were going to help. 
And he's like, yeah, you know, I thought you were going to get rid of Spawn and help us both out <laughs> by destroying him. But, you know, he flipped things back on you. And it's it's kind of funny. And if I told you his name, it might actually help you to uh, to figure out, you know, what he has planned. And Wynn's not, you know, he doesn't want to have he doesn't want to play this game. He's like, you know what? He even says that he's like, I'm tired of playing your games. If you have something to say, just say it. And again, Violator being Violator playing games, you know, ah, I'm not going to do that because, um, you know, my whole end game is to show hell that humans aren't fit to be spawns right now. And so the only way I can do that is if one human takes out another, you know, if I can get which kind of interesting, he says that he goes, take out one of your own kind. But Al's technically not human anymore, but we'll leave that aside. Uh, and he just says, yeah, if, if I can show that a human can take out a hell spawn, that'll show that that Malbolge is making the wrong choice in choosing uh, humans to be hosts for these uh, these hell spawns. So um, he disappears with a threat saying, if you are as powerful as you always tell me you are, show it or you're going to slowly fade into uh, oblivion. So meanwhile, um, back on mission and this uh, maybe an illustration of what Blake was just talking about that Terry and Al have been busy little bees taking out infrastructure and, and weapons caches and whatnot uh, that belong to Jason Wynn around the world. They have tracked this prisoner to uh, a major uh, Forsberg, they call him. Um, and they think that he has information that could be vital for them. So um, Spawn has been, dispatched to uh to rescue him meanwhile we get a quick peek back at rat city and cygor who maybe you guys have forgotten about because he hasn't been mentioned for like uh, i don't think since issue 50 it's been like five it's been issues. a while it's been a long yeah. while but he has finally made it to rat city and he, he's right there you can see the throne um of corpses behind him the, the scent of spawn is strongest there uh, so he's finally arrived at where he uh, has been drawn to. Obviously, Spawn is not there, so he uh, he sits in uh, in uh, patiently waiting for Spawn to return. So, meanwhile, Fortisberg is uh, we see him again in his cell, uh, thinking about when, thinking about how Fortisberg sees himself as as Frankenstein, Doctor Frankenstein, and he's he's created a monster, um, and he should have been able to sense that. Win was bad. He wasn't pure. And again, just beating himself up for giving him the power that he, um, that he needed to become such a, a, a terrible person. So I think Forsberg is a little hard on himself here, but you don't necessarily blame him for, uh, for this considering what he's been going through. So Spawn does uh, locate him. And as he, Spawn is heading his way to the cell, making all kinds of noise and explosions, taking out guards and whatnot. Forsberg again fears that, hey, this could be Khan. This could be Jason Wynn coming to get him. It's it, it's always there in the back of his mind. It's it's like the boogeyman to him. Mm-hmm. So Spawn kicks down the door, and as he enters the cell, Forsberg in his kind of delusional mind sees Khan coming to get him. He doesn't actually see Spawn. Um but it's a it's a really cool uh, double page spread with him standing in the doorway saying, Forsberg, I've come for you. And Forsberg uh, clutching the box. Uh, he says, you can't have it. I won't let you touch them. Not again. It's my box. It's my box. And what's in the box is actually the last remnants he has of his uh, of his wife and son. And it's kind of sad that 
Al doesn't really care. He's like, you're coming with me, crazy guy. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm saving you and you come with me, whether you like it or not. And he drops the box and that's how the issue ends as it falls open on the ground. And we see the, the head for the Luke Skywalker doll and the, the dress, at least a piece of the dress that his family was, was wearing. Um, and again, that's all this Forsberg guy has left of his family. And uh, he's leaving it behind saying, my family needs me. My family needs me. But clearly, you know, Al Simmons in that mode of, Hey, mission first, you know, he doesn't care. His walls are up. He's not thinking, but what's interesting is the parallels you can draw between what Forsberg has lost and what Al Simmons has lost. Mm -hmm. Al Simmons was never able to give Wanda a child. Maybe he would have been able to eventually, but was killed by Jason Wynn. And so in a way, he lost any chance of ever having having a child. And mm -hmm. clearly he lost his wife. Forsberg's lost the same because of Jason Wynn. He's lost his child. He's lost his wife. Um, so in a way, they're sort of kindred spirits. But I, Al can't see the forest for the trees here. We can as the readers. Um, but here's Forsberg blames Wynn, but also blames himself for the power that he helped win a mass. Al's never stopped to consider that. Mm -hmm. Al's never stopped to consider, hey, all the missions I undertook, all the successful operations, whatever, that that helps to empower Wynn in a lot of ways as well. So there's a lot of parallels between these two characters. And I wonder if McFarlane will play with that at all. But um it, yeah, in a way, it's a it's a pretty simple issue. I think, you know, in recapping it, we can cover it pretty quickly. Um, but it's certainly an issue that visually is stunning, has so much to offer. And it, for that reason, it's one of my it's one of my favorite issues. And like I said, I really I, I may go after we finish recording and look and are any of these pages available anywhere because you can yeah, get it printed. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. And that's the thing, like as much as I'd want an original uh, page of one of these at the same time, it's like, man, I, I almost would want the colorized version because the colors are so fantastic from Haberlin and Kemp and Jason Gorder. So uh, what are your thoughts on the issue? Uh. I, I really liked it. For me, this one was not as interesting. It, uh, we, we mentioned before how it doesn't carry the momentum of the story uh, at any kind of great pace. The last several issues, it's like stuff's happening. All right, Spawn's in hell. Okay, now he's back from hell. Okay, now he's got conflict with Terry. Now they're fighting together. Okay, they're working on a team and they're they're doing missions. Awesome, cool. Bam, bam, bam. And then here, it kind of slows it down a little bit. It's like, okay, we've had a lot of stuff going on lately. Let's just slow it down. All right. They're still doing that stuff, but Al and Terry's side of things takes a back seat in this for yeah. what is relatively a... a it's almost a one shot in a sense, because we're following a completely different character, someone that we haven't met or heard of before. And he, he just kind of, he's here now and we're going to get his whole perspective on things. And now we know a little bit more about Jason Wynn through this character that we just met. And a lot of the time you'd see like, one shots in comics do do something like this, you know, like this would be like a special where it's like, okay, uh, what, what's it like in the day 
the day in the life of someone who lives in the Marvel universe or something, you know, just like a random average Joe. This is like the random average Joe that just happens to exist in Spawn's universe. <laughs> and, you know, it, he's, he's obviously not an average Joe. He's connected to all these major players, but still it's, uh, it's interesting that they chose to follow his perspective and, and deep dive what's going on with him instead of, you know, kind of going the action hero route like they have been with with Spawn and Terry. Like, why not follow Spawn's perspective as he's like finding out who Forsberg is and then busting into the place and uh, killing the guards and then getting Forsberg at the end? You know, it's it's interesting that they opted to take a more emotional kind of story approach instead of having that action oriented superhero thriller kind of thing happening following spawn and terry they decided to follow the character who's emotionally and mentally damaged who's going through a lot who he's hurt he's hurt and he's sad and there's really no nothing that can make his situation better um except being taken out of that situation and maybe one day you could like improve on that. But they, they opted to take a more emotional story approach instead of an action story approach. And yeah, I, I mean, Spawn, like that's, Spawn doesn't even show up until page 14. Yeah. Until almost the end. <laughs> yeah, we're two, so. we're, yeah. We're two thirds of the way through mm-hmm. the story. Um, and then he finally, he finally and then shows he up. shows up. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's just, it's an evolution in the way that these stories are being told. At first, they're definitely, like, like early on in the series, there absolutely was a push to have action-oriented storytelling. There was, you know, so, some of that long game, like emotional arc. Let's dive into the psychology of these characters. Let's tell a more serialized story where like the events of one issue have direct consequences on others. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely an evolution in the storytelling and that he's choosing to tell more relatable and impactful stories, stories that you'll remember because of the trauma, <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a sad story. He didn't mean for all these horrible things to happen to him. They just kind of happened. He got betrayed by Wynn, the same that Al did. And like you were saying, you know, there's a lot of parallel between these two people. They've both, they're both victims of Wynn and they both were allies of Wynn before and helped further Wynn's goals. And um, yeah, like, like, like they're, they're just, two peas in a pod in, in a manner of speaking and they, they're they're tied to this in one way or another and how they choose to approach it going forward we'll just have to wait and see yeah and uh i i did appreciate us catching up with saigor as well and that's a fantastic page from uh from capullo there with uh the glowing red eyes and mm-hmm. uh, all the detail in the hair and whatnot so yeah we'll have to we'll have to see uh when because that's a confrontation that's been a long time coming yeah, I think so it was little. teased back in like issue 40 something. Yeah. 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 And we've only gotten like, oh, he's, you know, on the countryside now. Oh, he's there now. Oh, he's, you know, we, we just got little snippets, like single pages or even half pages of him just like making his way slowly to New York. And now he's here. So we'll have to wait and see what that confrontation looks like and what the consequences of it will be. Yeah. 
Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of, yeah, we just don't have a lot of spawn. I mean, we don't have a lot of real estate here with, with spawn and Terry on the page. So it's hard to uh, really talk about moving their story forward, but I, I yeah. And that's why this, I think it reads a lot quicker, feels a little faster paced because we don't really know this Forsberg guy and he, you know, narrates the first two thirds of the issue, but I can't argue with, the execution, just because the art is so fantastic, especially with those limited color palette pages. Um, and, and uh, yeah, obviously the page, the splash page with Sigor and then the double page splash of Spawn um, finally breaking in. I mean, again, look at all the detail in, in the skin on, um, on Forsberg, on the wall, on the door. Just fantastic work from uh, from that dramatic Ray. Dutch angle. Yep, <laughs> yep. it's fan- fantastic. So, uh, all right. Any last thoughts before we close it out? No, I'm all good. All right, everybody. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Again, we really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, just do a search for the Comic Source, and you'll find us. We really appreciate your support as always, and we will talk to you next time. Later. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.